Howdy, y'all, and welcome to The Daily Grind. I'm your host, John Spencer. Grab a mug of your favorite brew and get ready to become the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to water cooler chatter, conference room banner, and job site small talk. I'm going to give you the rundown on today's date, share some interesting historical facts, toss out just a few random musings to get your brain gears turning. Plus, I'll offer up some thoughts to ponder on our walk with Jesus. Joining me this week, once again, I am so honored to be co-hosted with my sister, Carla Cockrum. Hello, hello, Daily Grind. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to brew your brain. It's Thursday. August 3rd. And on August 3rd in 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed from Palos de la Frontera, Spain, with the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. In the ocean blue. In the ocean blue. Yes, he did. And on this date in 1852, in the first American intercollegiate athletic event, to ever take place Harvard University won the first boat race against Yale oh okay boat race there you go I know like, Harvard Harvard won the very first intercollegiate athletic event beating and it Yale was a boat race boat race yep like a rowing or yeah, sailing yeah. You know rowing okay. rowing right. rowing right. about like adult And on this date in 1936, Jesse Owens won the 100-meter dash, beating the world's fastest man, Ralph Metcalf, at the Berlin Olympics. Yes, he did. Go, Jesse Owens. Shamed Adolf about his Mm -hmm. super race. Mm -hmm. And on this date in 1946, Santa Claus Land, the world's first themed amusement park opened in santa claus indiana indiana <laughs> okay yeah go figure that one I don't stumped know. me okay that one surprised me <laughs> and on this date in 1977 tandy corporation <gasps> announced the trs 80 the oh. world's first mass-produced <laughs> personal computer and the basic model came with Four kilobytes of RAM. Oh my goodness. And it was a big old thing. <laughs> and it was a big old thing. Big old thing. <laughs> 4K. Oh gosh. Yes. I remember. This third is it's Champagne Day. Okay. Cheers. It's Clean Your Floors Day. Okay. Yeah. It's Georgia Day. Okay. I don't know that it's the state. I think that's a day for people named Georgia. Oh, okay. All right. It's Grab Some Nuts Day. Oh, great. And it's Watermelon Day. Okay, tasty day overall. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to sharpen your whip. There is only one letter that doesn't appear on the periodic table. Carla, do you know what that is? Um, out of the 26, there's just one. They're all there but one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's the letter J. It is the letter J. You're so correct. <laughs> J, not on the periodic table. 
Oh, what? I'm take mm. take that personal. Gosh. In the history (laughs) of Disney, Donald Duck, only two voice actors have done his voice. Clarence Nash did it from 1934 to 1985. 34 to 85. Yes, that's a. Oh my goodness, that is a career. Long time. Okay. (laughs) And then Tony Anselmo. Um, took over in 1985 to present. He is also the current voice of Donald Duck. That's also a really long time. It is. Do you know? Oh my goodness. Do you know, um, Carly? Do you know what the flux capacitor is? Yes. It's the device Dr. Emmett Brown invented to power his time travel DeLorean. <laughs> and do you know how many gigawatts of power it required? No. One point twenty-one gigawatts. <laughs> Okay, yes, it did. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Pixar's <sighs> Up was mm-hmm. the first ever animated film or 3D film to open the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was thinking, you know, business ideas fly into my brain all the time. And I was thinking <laughs> about opening a restaurant called Sands Witches. And we would serve everything but sandwiches. Sandwiches. Oh, yes, we would. Yes, we would. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty encompassing. A lot of things. Do you know what a cheetah's favorite food is? No. Fast food. (laughs) Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) Yes. The lifespan of a taste bud is about 10 days. No. Yeah. Where that happens to them? They just get replaced. It's a okay. fast replacement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in college, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember that outside the science building at A&M, someone had hung up wanted dead or alive posters for Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I don't remember. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was clever, though. <laughs> Here's a life hack that you can use. The next time that a stranger talks to you when you're alone, but you don't want to be involved in a conversation, mm-hmm. you can look at them with a very shocked expression and whisper, you can see me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I I don't know if this is true, but I just have this memory that I think mom used to tell us that the ice cream truck only played music when it was sold out. <laughs> that sounds like her. She was clever. Oh, oh my goodness. And now it's that time on the daily grind to enrich your faith. We're just going to continue on with Colossians chapter one, verses 21 through 23. So what about you? Well, there was a time when you were excluded. You were enemies in your thinking and in wicked behavior. But now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death 
in order to bring you into his presence, holy, blameless, and without accusation. This assumes, of course, that you keep firmly on in the faith, by which I mean solid on your foundations and not shifting from the hope of the gospel which you heard. The gospel, after all, has been announced to every creature under heaven, and this is the gospel which I, Paul, became a servant. I don't know if you've ever been camping, dependent on a map because your little cute GPS thing didn't work. Or maybe you've been to a big amusement park or a mall. I remember Marcy and I in January went to the Mall of America and I desperately needed to find one of those big maps in that mall that had that comforting little red blob that said, you are here. Uh, Without knowing where you are on the map, doesn't do you any good. In a similar kind of fashion, Paul understands that in the previous verses, 15 through 20, that poem about the supremacy of Jesus might have just overwhelmed these young Christians in Colossae. They might think, well, that sounds impressive, but what does it mean for me? So he begins to bring things into focus and he gives them a sense of where they are on God's cosmic map. He could title this section, You're Here, to show where the average Christian stands in the grand narrative of creation and redemption. Paul's message begins with the reminder that not too long ago, they were not on the map at all. God's divine plan for the world was progressing, but they found themselves outside in the cold. They were excluded, estranged. What did Paul mean by that? Well, according to Paul, God's purpose to reconcile the entire creation to himself was initially entrusted to Israel, the chosen people of promise. However, the Colossians and many others around the world were not part of Israel. They were Gentiles, worshiping idols, unaware of God's redemptive plan and how they could participate in its benefits. Their lives reflected the gods that they worshiped. They led to distorted thinking and confusion and sinful behavior. Their actions were not aligned with fulfilling an enriched existence that the living God designed for his image-bearing creatures. Paul clarifies that sin or wickedness isn't about having a good time when God wants you to suffer. It's the result of broken thinking when people ignore or deny or forget or ignorant of the true God. But now, the Colossians find themselves on the inside. They're on the map and part of God's divine action. Paul emphasizes the significant shift with that phrase, but now. Previously, they were outside, lost, dead in sin. But God intervened, transforming everything. Being brought inside and appearing on the map means that they can enjoy the ultimate privilege of being in the very presence of God. To grasp that transformation, kind of get the image of the temple in Israel, where previously they would have been excluded from it. And even if they converted, they would have been only in the outer courts. They were deemed not good enough to be in God's presence. But now they're not only invited in, but they're welcomed in with open arms. What made all that possible? Well, the key to entering God's presence lies in the death of King Jesus. 
Although Paul doesn't delve into specifics on how Jesus's death accomplishes this, he proclaims that it leads to reconciliation. Now, we kind of understand that word reconciliation as that estranged family members might reconcile after years of conflict, putting their differences behind them. But the reconciliation between humans and God is on a much grander scale. On the cross, all the enmity and hostility that separated humanity from God culminated in Jesus's ultimate sacrifice. You can look over in Ephesians 2.16 because it expresses a similar message to this passage. Jesus as the place where true God and true humanity intersect, brought God and the human race back together, facilitating reconciliation. And astonishingly, we are now free to approach the living and holy God without blemish. That is the essence of Paul's gospel. However, that gospel's effects sometimes just don't automatically appear. It requires cooperation and action on part of the believers. Now ushered into God's holy presence, we can't just sit back idly and just wait to not go to hell. They must stand firm and take responsibility for their spiritual growth and maturity. It's just like constructing a house. You lay it brick by brick. And so as Christians, we build our lives on the bricks of faith and hope and love, but it's on the solid foundation of the gospel and not on anything else. Becoming a Christian is not a one-time event. I mean, I was saved, but I'm currently being saved and I will be saved. And Jesus's invitation is to follow me. It's not a one-time event that you just look back on and remember fondly it's a continuous journey that demands daily commitment, daily picking up our cross and following after Jesus. Without remaining steadfast, the initial experience can feel distant and strange, and sometimes it could maybe give us reasons to doubt. But steadfast doesn't mean stuck in the past. It means that by persevering, Believers will realize the gospel's truth as their lives begin to stabilize and take shape on that firm foundation of faith. And we're transformed little by little, more and more, into the image of, I think, victory in our Christian walk a lot of times looks like not quitting and not giving up. As we just continue to move forward in growth. That foundation, of course, it's the gospel itself. The good news of King Jesus. Paul expresses something extraordinary about this gospel. It was proclaimed not only to those folks just living around the Mediterranean, but to every creature under heaven. This means that Jesus rose from the dead as the reigning king and lord of the world. And a spiritual shockwave just reverberated throughout all of the cosmos. His resurrection marked the beginning of God's new creation, and he continues to reconcile and renew all things in heaven and on earth. The gospel is not limited to spreading from just person to person. It is also a manifestation of the new creation in every specific instance where someone hears and believes the message. And Paul embraces his role as a servant 
of this transformative message, inviting people to share in the renewal of the world through faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel is profoundly personal, but it's also cosmic in its scope, and it touches the lives of individuals while renewing the entire world, while having us actively not just pray, but participate in asking that our Father's will be done on earth just like it is in heaven, and that we want his kingdom to come. So this passage reminds the Colossians, and it reminds us, that reconciliation with God has profound implications. It grants access to God's presence. It allows believers to embrace the transformative power of the gospel. Through faith and commitment, we can participate in God's ongoing work of renewal for the entire creation. Paul's message becomes a personal map that reveals where each individual stands in God's grand narrative. His mission is not merely to persuade people to believe a strange story or have a spiritual experience. It's to serve the message of new creation, inviting people to partake in it. The gospel is for every individual, for you, for me, every man, woman, and child. And its significance lies not in spite of its global implications, but because of them. As always, thank you for joining me today on The Daily Grind. Grace and peace to you.